Welcome to the Abbot Loop Community Church Podcast. Enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. We're in the middle of this series called, uh, well, towards the end of the series called Let's Try It His Way. So we're going to let's try it his way, talking about purity. Huh? Everybody runs. <laughs> this is your second. You want to run? Run now. No, don't run. We're going to talk about purity. It's going to be fun. It's going to be good. All right. Well, first, we're going to start off with a few stories of where people try it their way, right? Some things we try it their way. I was digging through um, some Darwin Awards. Those are always fun to watch where people try it their way rather than maybe the best way. I've heard it both ways, the right way and then yours, right? April 17th, 2017 in South Carolina. It's tough to live without electricity, although in the Blue Ridge Electric Company, they say that there are options for people that cannot pay their bills. Those options are not extended to this family in the friendship community near Seneca. So after two weeks, without hot water refrigeration, this man attempted to restore power to his home illegally. So what happens when a powerless thief grabs a metal ladder and some jumper cables? His bid for grid power veered from pathetic to ludicrous when he leaned an aluminum ladder against the pole and climbed up and applied the jumper cables to the energized conductor a witness heard the sound like a shotgun as 7200 volts arced from the primer <laughs> arced from the primary wires across the jumper cables designed for 12 volts through the man's body and down to the ladder and to the ground The thief was jolted from the top of the pole and thrown to the ground, and he was taken to the hospital with contusions and electrical burns. Still living, he cannot win a Darwin Award, yet is eligible for honorable mention for his questionable and nearly fatal choices. Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end leads to death. If you don't know, Darwin Awards, are, uh, this whole theory that Darwin had of evolution is that it was natural selection, is that the weaker and not so smart parts of uh, you know, all creation would weed themselves out. And so that's like the whole theory behind this. Well, okay, <clears throat> July 12th, 2016 in Michigan. Stupidity doesn't really get worse than this. Three bikini-clad women were stranded on the banks of the Muskin River with no food, shelter, no clothing, when their first river tubing excursion became nearly naked and afraid, predicament of their own making. A few hours before, while launching their new tubes into the Maple Island Bridge at the Mus- at, in Muskin, they asked a passing stranger how to get back upstream. The stranger told them, well, you see, the river makes a big loop and it circles back around to take you back to your car. <laughs> Using this joking advice to plan their trip, the gullible group set off downriver. At dusk, the women realized that the river was not going to circle back. They had been duped. They beached their tubes on a remote stretch of the river and began to holler for help, having neglected to bring a cell phone. Amazing. 20 hours after drifting away, 20 hours after drifting away from the bridge, they were saved by a chance drift drift fisherman who heard the commotion and called 911. Rescued only three miles downstream from the launch point. We wonder why no one said, let's walk back to the car. 
What makes this situation even more ridiculous is that they were all from that local area. <laughs> uh, on October, I mean on February 14, 2018, a 19-year-old and soon-to-be ex were walking along the beautiful Havel River, quarreling. Unable to win his conversation, the frustrated man suddenly shoved the woman into the icy river. Bad man. <laughs> Bad man. He then jumped in to make sure that she would drown. But she could swim and he could not. <laughs> Thus he won the Darwin Award that day. You have to actually pass away to win the darn one. That one's kind of sick. Sorry about that. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> Proverbs 14, 12. There's a way that appears to be right, but in the end leads to death. And for that guy, why that seemed to be the right solution? Hey, if you think pushing your girlfriend into the river is your solution, you need to change what you believe is right. Huh? Yeah. All right. So what we want to do right here is we're talking about purity. We're going to talk about God's way, his way, what's best for us. And if we buy in, guys, we are the benefactors when we buy in to God's righteousness and his right way of living. And that's what we want to look at today. So we're going to dig into the scripture. The first thing you have to do is challenge your belief system. And in our world today, there's all kinds of beliefs that are going on around us. And the world is telling us what it says is right. And then people are living, and so even as believers, Christians, Christ-centered believers, sometimes we don't know and understand what is right living for us, and why should we choose it? And so there's, we end up in all kinds of situations. So when we're talking about our lives, there is one very important area of our life, and that has to do with sexual purity. Living our life according to what God has set us up for is for our benefit. And so we're going to dive in and we're going to look at what does the Bible tell us about what is right for us. And I want you to get this, is I don't want you to get caught in condemnation. Because the enemy's plan for you is to feel totally condemned right now and then just get in a swimming in condemnation, feeling like, oh, I'm terrible, I've blown it in all these ways. Okay, that is not the plan today. The plan today is that we see what God has for us and that it's his best, and then we draw a circle around where we're at right now. We cut off the old bad behaviors that are destroying us, and we move toward good behaviors that are going to move us into his best for us, okay? Amen? All right, so it's going to be very easy. It could be very easy for you to just slip into like, oh, it's me. Pastor hates me. I don't measure up. But guess what? I don't measure up either. I don't like reading these passages. Who the heck likes reading this stuff? We want it because you know it's right and it's good for us. That's why we do it, right? So I don't like eating broccoli or Brussels sprouts or other things like that, but I do because it's good for me. And that's what we need today. We need to do some stuff that's good for us. We need to talk about some things that are good for us and so we can start to benefit from that. Okay, so this might challenge some of the things that you thought were good or were right. So 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. So... You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. Just pause here for a second. So I'm allowed to do anything because Christ 
has set me free from the punishment and the wage of sin and death in my life, praise God. But not everything is beneficial for me. And sin will make me a slave. You are not made for slavery. God made you for freedom. And so when you and I participate in sin, especially sexual sin, we become slaves. God does not want sin to be your slave master. Christ came to set you free. He didn't come to condemn you. He came to rescue you. He didn't come to imprison you to a bunch of rules about how you have to live. He came to set you free so you could live righteousness and you would benefit from it. Come on. But you have to believe that sin will make you a slave. You just have to believe it. And once you believe that, you go, okay, I don't want to be a slave. Raise your hand if you want to be a slave. Come on. I want someone to imprison me and make me a slave. Nobody wants that. You get to choose this one. You get to choose if sin will be your master or not. So you can live however you want, but you will pay the consequences for it. Okay, verse 13 you say, food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. This is true, though someday God will do away with both of them. But you cannot say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord. And the Lord cares about our bodies. And God will raise us from the dead by his power, just as he raised the Lord from the dead. God made your body for a purpose. And he did not make your, purpose for the, your body for the purpose of sexual immorality for living in sexual sin in any way, any context from your thought life to your physical life. So we have, to, we have to believe that's right and that's maximum good for us. That's God's best for us. That getting outside of that will actually harm us. He didn't make you for it. How many of you think living for what God made us for will be better than what we could do for ourselves? Yes, I want to live for what he made me for because that's how I'm going to get his best. I'm going to experience his best rather than what I could say, well, this is my body. I'll do what I want. Do what I want. Do. I, I, I don't actually believe this is my body. But because the Bible tells me my body is his. Verse 15, don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man... Take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one with her, one with her body, her body, one body with her? For the scripture says the two are united into one, but the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Sexual intimacy creates oneness. So it actually does something, it has a function in our life is that when we have sexual intimacy with our married partner, okay, that creates oneness with that person. So if we start kind of like coloring outside the lines or experimenting or starting to have relationships outside of that one marriage, then we are becoming one with that person too. So now it's two-ness, three-ness, four-ness, <laughs> not good. Why is that not good? It's not good because it's not about right and wrong, guys. Obviously, it's wrong, but why is it not wrong? We have to look at something deeper. 
it is not good. <laughs> the reason is, is that it is not good for you. One, one person, whether woman or man, cannot handle the responsibility of that many relationships. <laughs> and the second thing is that a piece of your soul, a piece of your heart is now parted out and the person that you are designed or choosing to have oneness with is now divided and lost. Can this be overcome? Absolutely. Can God overcome it? You bet he can. But it is now a serious obstacle in your life, in the intimacy in your marriage, a challenge in your relationship to overcome. And praise God, the overcomer lives inside you. But why sign up for it? Why participate in it? And especially don't believe it's good or right living for you. It's not right for you. It's not good for you because it will wreck you. It will take everything important to you away. Verse 18, so it says, run from sexual sin. No other sin is so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a, sign against, is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? And you do not belong to yourself. There it is. This is why I believe this isn't my body. This is the Lord's body. It's his temple. It's his body. It doesn't belong to me. It belongs to him. For God bought you with a high price so that you must honor, so you must honor God with your body. Okay. So this is important because what you see is what you do, right? So if I see and then believe this is my body, then I'm gonna do whatever I want with it. And I start, you know what? And I'm gonna get the consequences and the benefits from me choosing that. That's probably gonna work out bad for me. But when I shift what I think, it makes it way easier for me to give up all of my lust and all of my desire for power or control when I realize this isn't my body. This is God's body. Lord, what do you want to do with my body today, with my temple today? Well, I certainly don't want you to look at that. I certainly don't want you to fall into sexual sin today. That's not God's plan for you today. God's plan for you is not to cheat on your wife today. I'm not a rocket scientist. I only have to be a prophet to tell you right now that's not God's plan for you. His plan for you isn't to get caught up into pornography when you go home from here. It's not his plan. That's not his best for you. That's gonna take something and rob something from you. And this is the thing, is that when we change who possesses us, who is our owner, we treat ourselves differently. You know when you rent the house, you rent the car, you're, you, it's not the same as when you own it. You treat it differently. See, God purchased your house, your temple. He purchased you. And he, want, he treats you differently. And he wants you to treat you like he owns you. Eh? All right. And it certainly will shift how much easier it is to be able to live in purity. 1 Thessalonians 4.3. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. You ever wonder what God's will is for your life? Here's part of it. It is God's will that you be sanctified and, not, and avoid sexual immorality. If you wanna know what God's will is for you, it's to avoid sexual immorality. To live honorably, take your life and live it as holy and honorably for the Lord. But see, when we believe that we can live any way and we 
take on the value system of the world around us. We, we just start to live like them and think, oh, well, living with people before I'm married, like living with my boyfriend or living with my girlfriend or whatever, it's like just totally fine and okay. Um, th that's going to be good for me. <laughs> no, that's right. No. Little girl down here saying no. See, if I believe that's okay or do even put thought to it because I just accept what the world does and how it is, and I never read the word to discover what truth is and what best living is for me as a believer, what God made me for, what he made my temple for, then I just could slip into just like, well, of course I'm going to live with my boyfriend before we got married, before we get married, you know? Uh, and then it doesn't work out. But do you know that the divorce rate of people that live together before they're married goes radically through the roof? Because you're violating one of the principles that isn't best for you. You're setting yourself up on a temporary platform as if I could just pull out whenever, right? Break loose whenever I want. <clears throat> Dating, this is a practice of divorce. This is the way we date. And I've got a whole teaching on that. I don't want to get into all of that right now, but like, just think about the way we do dating. It's like we just try it out, and if it doesn't work, then boop. Try it out, it doesn't work, and then boop. We get used to solving our problems by escaping rather than pressing through. Okay. Ephesians 5.3, but among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Even the way we think, what we focus on, what we process, what we look at, not even a hint. There's, there's no gray area here, guys. This is what I want us to get. This is a black and white dividing line. And when we violate it, it's actually, it says here, we were reading it, it says this is the kind of sin that actually damages your own body. This is why it's so dangerous is because you're drinking poison into yourself and then trying to go do the work of God. It robs and steals your confidence. It destroys just you, the, the inner person, the strength. That's why I say purity gives you power. When we walk in purity, it gives you a confidence and a strength, and then it, you're, you're not struggling with all of, of, of the results of that sin going on in your life. But I want you to think about this. Your life in Christ is like your Superman, Superwoman, Wonder Woman. Right? And, I mean, Superman's so confident he wears his undies on the outside. That's how confident that dude is, right? And that's how much more confident you get when you know what Christ is doing in you. Fuck, they ain't no stains on these babies. Let's go. But when you and I fall into sexual sin, and, and, okay, we, we decide we're going we're gonna to put on that little kryptonite necklace. You ever seen an episode where Superman puts on the kryptonite? He's so pathetic. Oh, my life is in it. I hate it. And he just crawls around, and he's like so wimpy and lame and pathetic. And that's what happens. And you're like, I kind of, Superman's like, he's a wuss. But we get this way when we choose sexual sin. It's one of those types of sins that is different from other ones where it, you're sinning against your own self. You're actually damaging you and you're disempowering yourself. And that's why it's so destructive. You're undermining your own superpower. 
The grace of God moving in and through your life, you like want to be fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit, cultivating that relationship and releasing the power of God. And as you release the power of God, the confidence in seeing him move builds. And that grows and it builds your faith. And you go, man, I can lift a building. I can't believe it. I did it last time. I can do it again. You're like, I'm going to try something else. But when you focus on sexual sin or you allow yourself to drift into that space, you're just robbing all of that strength. Just takes it all away from you. Hebrews 13, 4, marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and the sexually immoral. So I'm gonna jump in just one little bit here and we're gonna talk a little bit about homosexuality because that's so fun. I'm totally not nervous or scared to do this at all. Yeah, <laughs> Lord help me. So this, this is something we've gotta get because we've, we're talking about the same thing here. This is no different. And, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit later. I'm going to do my best to unpack this type of thinking. But when we, when, when we start to separate a group of people by their behaviors as if they're different from us, it's, that is actually sin. Okay? <laughs> it's no different than any other kind of sin in this area. It just has different consequences. The deeper we get into sexual sin, the greater the consequences. You know, a suicide rate for people that have sex changes is like over 45%. They, get, they commit suicide like almost right after because it's so destructive. It's just they're so lost, and then it doesn't fill that void that they had, and it just like, boom, crushes. The divorce rate in homosexual couples is just like ridiculously high. Suicide rate is so high. We should feel pity and compassion for people that are struggling in this area, it's just from brokenness and different types of wounds and injuries that we end up in these spaces. And it can happen to anybody. Any, we, any of us could slip and fall and, or, or have traumas or hurts or things happen to us. And we need to have compassion on every single human being on the planet and not then categorize them as they're wrong and they're bad. Because if they're wrong, then they're bad. That's not true. That's not good. God sees every person as loved and adored. And you and I are going to see a lot of people that struggle with this sin in heaven. And you're going to, you and I are going to stand before Jesus the way we treat everybody, right? Okay. Now, homosexuality is a sin against your own body. It is, it is a wrong behavior that against your own body that will cost you. If you're struggling with this, I have compassion for you. And, and, and you're welcome here, okay? But you have to realize it's not good for you. And we're not going to say it's right, but we love you. Like a lot of the things that all of us are trying to work through aren't right. And I hope you love me, and I hope I love you. Amen? We need to release the love of Christ. Okay. All right. We're going to get into this, and we're going to touch on this a little bit. But the Bible defines homosexuality as a sin against your own body. It's destructive. It's so hurtful. And it is in the category of sexual sins. Okay. First Peter 
2.11, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. It's so important that you and I understand why we are trying to stay away from this space because it's an enemy to our soul. The enemy is trying to destroy you and sexual sin is one of his greatest tools and allies to try to gobble you up and rob you of your power, your strength, your confidence, your effectiveness. So what do we need to do? I want this message to be practical. We need to make a shift. There needs to be a shift and a change so that we can live righteous. Philippians 4.8. Actually, we'll go to that in a second. I want you to see this. See, feel, act. So I've showed you this progression before, but this is transformation, okay? You want to transform. You need to understand this is how we change. You first see or believe, then you feel it, and then you behave. You do what you feel. This is how we work. And what you feel like doing comes from somewhere. It comes from what you see or believe is right. If I think it's right, I'm going to do it. That's how we operate. Is what we think right actually right? Is what we think is good actually good? Is it what God has designed for us to be best for us? That's where we got to challenge what we see because sometimes we see wrong. Am I right? Am I wrong and I'm right? So if I see wrong, then I can feel like I'm doing right, but then actually behave wrong or evil, do bad things. So let's challenge what we see. First, we gotta get in alignment with what we see. We have to see that what God has established is true and good and right for us is healthy. And that the Bible, what God gives us instruction to live a life of purity and thought and mind and in action is what is best for us. So we challenge that belief and then we believe it. And so now I choose to see it. And then we go Philippians 4, 8. Now I'm gonna choose to look at what is good. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, anything is excellent or praiseworthy. Think about such things. This is critical, mission critical. Shift what you look at. You're struggling with sexual sin? Shift what you're looking at. If, if you evaluated and tracked all the time that you, what, of what you were looking at, my guess is you would be looking at a lot of stuff that's connected to sexual sin. <laughs> shift what you see. Start trying stuff and shifting what you see. It's not about legalism like, don't watch R-rated movies and don't do this and don't do that. If those things are causing you and filling your head with garbage and junk, you're looking at it. Therefore, it's going to stir something up in you. Like watching Fifty Shades of Grey. Probably not a good idea. I definitely have never seen that movie. But it is all about sexual sin and glorifying it. And you're watching pornography or that. You're like focusing on that. You're going to have a lot of feelings and probably some behaviors that go along with that. Shift what you see. Focus on what is good, what is lovely, what's true, what's noble. Don't just say, well, I'm going to focus on love, what's true, what's good. Oh, Lord, it's noble. What's noble? What's good? What's true? Write it down. Start looking at what is actually loving, what is actually noble, what is actually true, what is actually good. Look at those things and break them down. Then meditate on them. Let your mind get focused on those things. 
the Holy Spirit, time with the Holy Spirit, time in his word, time in fellowship with believers, time serving. You're putting your mind and your thought, your feelings and actions to the work of the kingdom, and that is gonna generate all kinds of great positive feelings that are moving you towards the healthy and right life. Okay, I'm gonna challenge one thing. I'm gonna go into this, and I'm gonna do my best here. Is the other thing is you have to change what you look at. Okay, so there is right and wrong. Christ is right. The shape of Jesus is perfect theology. He is goodness and rightness defined. Amen? Okay, so he's right and righteous, and if you take all the laws and the commandments, you'll find them in the lifestyle of Jesus. He did them all. He is them. Amen? Okay, so there is right and wrong. God defines what's right and wrong. Okay, what do you look at? You need to know what's right and wrong, right? Why? Why do you need to know what's right and wrong? So, right, okay, good. It affects how you think. Okay, so think about this. If I, if I focus on, now, if I focus on what is right and wrong, I'd establish what's right and wrong, and now I'm trying to look through that lens of just what's right and wrong, and now I'm trying to look at you through what's right and wrong and how you should behave. Do you think I might get in trouble? Okay, so here's the thing. If I am looking through the lens of right and wrong, and I'm looking to try to change my behavior through the lens of right and wrong, then I am gonna start moving towards legalism and judgment. Even towards myself. Oh, I don't measure up because I'm wrong. Okay, this sin is bad, okay, it's wrong. I, I know I shouldn't do it. It's not what Christ wants me to do, it's sexual sin. So then I do it, but if I'm looking at it through the lens of just only right and wrong, then I am going to then feel bad. Guilt is okay, guilt is okay, all right. But if I then look through this lens of right and wrong, I'm gonna look through judgment. Now if I'm talking to you or you're my kid and I'm trying to parent you, I'm like, well, the Bible said that's wrong. Don't you know that that sin is wrong? You're wrong. Okay, I've missed something. I'm actually not looking through the lens that God wants me to look through, whether that's right or not. Okay, sure, that's right. That sin is wrong. But if I'm, if I'm looking through the lens of talking to you about what's right and wrong, then all of a sudden I'm making myself the judge. And who's the judge? God's the judge. Who paid for all sin? Jesus, did he pay for it all or just some of it? Ha ha, all of it. So if he pays for it all, that doesn't actually matter anymore if it's right and wrong. <laughs> In the sense of eternity. But for me and what's best for me in my life, and if I'm working with you and trying to help you move forward, I need to shift from looking at right and wrong. I need to know what's right and wrong, but I need to shift away from that and start looking through the lens of good and bad. Okay, hopefully you guys are all still with me. This is deep thinking, but we gotta process through this, we gotta start living this way. As I'm starting to look at you and say, hey, you're, man, I can see that the way you're living isn't working out so good for you. Why? Oh, because, yeah, it's, you're, you're living outside of righteousness, outside of what Christ defines as right, but that's, he paid for that, but he wants something better for you. 
So now when I'm talking to my kid, I'm talking to them about good and bad. See, here's the thing. If it's right and wrong and you're wrong, then when you feel wrong, you actually feel bad. And you think you're bad. You see, I'm bad because I'm wrong. And if I'm bad and I'm wrong, now I'm out. Judgment drives rejection. This is important. And so if I see you as wrong, or I project onto you that you're wrong for living that way, maybe that's true. But the th reality is, is now I say, you're actually bad, and you're out. Does that feel loving to you? Especially when Jesus died for all that and paid for it all? Is that how he wants us to move with people? So how about we start moving towards good and bad? Okay, look, I want you to know, listen, God has something better for you. He has a lifestyle for you that he shaped you for that is for your best good. And right now, the behaviors you're in the middle of are not good for you. They're actually bad for you. They're harming you. They're hurting you. They're kryptonite for you. God made you for power and for love and a sound mind and for doing awesome stuff for him, miracles and healing and transformation. And you're compromising that. You are actually robbing from that because of your choices. We have to shift the way we see. I am no longer looking through the seat of judgment towards people of whether they behave right and wrong. Rather, trying to inspire them towards good and life that is caught up within righteousness. Come on. You might have to think about this for a while. And maybe I did a better job this time than last time talking about it. But you need to shift how you see. Then you need to shift your inner world. See, you and I can't just rub a bunch of Jesus butter on all our problems. Quote a bunch of scriptures and it all goes away. You're broken. You're blind. You're broken. And you got to accept that. That's true humility. And you have a Savior who died to redeem you. Me too. I'm blind, I'm broken, I can't see. And when I realize that, I realize I need help. And in my life, in my soul, there's hurts, there's brokenness, there's damage, and that stuff is driving me. And I wanna give you the key to this about sexual sin. Loneliness is the key. It is the black hole that is pulling people into sexual sin. Because sexual sin is the cover-up or is the fast fix for intimacy. And so when I feel rejected, I feel toxic shame, I don't measure up, I then retreat from people and intimacy and I move away from them and now I get lonely. If I'm never vulnerable with who I really am and share it with you and you know who I really am, then I'm gonna feel lonely. And then I'm gonna try to fill it with stuff. I'm gonna backfill it with a quick fix. Drug addicts do this. They like feel so much pain, suffering and hurt, quick fix, Get drunk, quick fix, get a quick snort. Problem solved for a time. Lonely, go sleep with somebody, have sex. Lonely, go look at pornography and then move towards whatever else, right? Quick fix, but then what comes right after that is a hard crash, back to loneliness, and when you realize that didn't fix it or fill it, then you get even more in despair. And those the problem with those types of behaviors is they're now also addictive. And you start an addiction cycle that feeds, and now we have an addiction cycle with this loneliness. Ah, it feels impossible, but it's not impossible because with Christ, all things are possible. The road out is intimacy with Jesus. 
But you have to tell yourself the truth about the pain that's going on and make a shift in your inner world. If you would neglect your inner world, you will always be hacking at the branches. Thoreau said this, for the thousand hacking at the branches, there's one striking the root. Why? Because branch, ha branch hacking is just up there and we see it. It's so just, oh, just try to cut back. I won't look at the pornography as much. Oh, I'm just going to try to do this, try to do that. I just get so tired. And then you just give up. You got to strike the root. It's hard to get the roots because they're invisible. They're underground, but they're there. And you have to do the inner work. You need a counselor. That's why I have one. I have three because I'm a mess. I need lots of help. Maybe more help than you need. That's fine. But I am not going to make the excuse or pretend like I don't have an inner world struggle. I don't have real hurts and wounds. And let that drive me and then drive everybody around me and wreck my family and wreck everything. we got to take that space, that loneliness, and we got to make a shift, tell ourselves the truth, and then move into it. We have small groups that talk about this. We do stuff on Voice of the Heart. We have counselors connected to our ministries. You can get involved, connected in them. But just don't make an excuse and, or pretend like it isn't real, okay? And then you need to create new habits. You, you, you do the thing, you have the power, right? I start doing the discipline and do it. I start to create a power to do it and actually create synergy around that. And then this is what's cool about being a believer is you have the power to do the thing. You have Christ living in you to do the thing. You have the grace of God that's empowered you to righteousness, not sin. Mercy and God's grace has covered your sin, but his grace specifically is empowering you to live out righteousness. You have the power to do the thing, and then as you do the thing, it gives you power. God made you and I to be habitual beings, and if we start shifting what we see, focusing on our inner world, making genuine and real connections with other people, then all of a sudden we're going to fill those spaces of loneliness and we're going to start to create more power in our life as we release the power of God in and through our relationships. Man, you start connecting with the Holy Spirit, making that connection with Him, changing what you look at. Maybe you need to cancel your Facebook account, your Netflix account. I don't care what it is. I'm not telling you what you need to do. You need to decide what in your life where you need to make a habitual shift of what you look at a habitual shift of who you talk to. If there are people around you that are just tanking you, you need to make a shift. Replace a person who's tanking you with someone who's lifting you up. If there's a person in your life that's trying to drag you towards sexual sin, you need to cut that relationship off and you need to make a shift. If you're thinking about cheating on your wife or your husband right now, you need to stop in Jesus' name. That is not God's plan or his best for you. If you have an addiction to pornography, it's time to break it right now. Make a shift. Take your computer. Throw it in the toilet. Sink it. Take it to the dump. Get rid of it. You can live without one. If it is going to tank you for now, create a new habit. Shut something off so you can turn something else on. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, Romans 12, 1, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Father, we allow us to just offer our bodies as true worship to you, a real sacrifice for you. I want to pray. I want to break some stuff off, especially condemnation, okay? You ready? Nobody should be feeling condemnation in this place. That's not the spirit of the Lord. That's the enemy. So if you want, you can lift your hands, you can close your eyes, whatever you feel, however you can get just alone with the Holy Spirit. Just invite you to do that right now, Lord, we just love you. I want you to invite his presence, Holy Spirit, come. 
Holy Spirit, come fill me up. Maybe you've never prayed this before. Just pray. We're not doing just church. We're, we're here to encounter Jesus. Holy Spirit, we invite you right now. Fill us up. Touch our hearts. Touch our lives, God. We don't want to walk out of here without a touch from you. We want to be filled afresh, filled anew by your love, by your presence. Will you just renew me? Will you purify me? Forgive me for every act of sexual sin in my life. Come on, just begin to pray. Lord Jesus, forgive me for every thought, for every misguided thought, for any ways that I've just been getting off track, God. And I pray right now you'd fill me with your righteousness, God. You'd fill me with your love, your grace, your power to do the right thing, to live according to what is good, what is righteous, what is holy. And Lord, I'm just praying against the spirit of condemnation. We bind and break that spirit now in Jesus' name. And we will not live under condemnation for the wrong things that we've done. We will live in the power of your grace, your mercy, and your love. And God, I break that off of every person here by your spirit, by the blood of Jesus. And we pray right now that you'd heal every broken heart. You'd heal every heart in this room and minister your love to them. God, pour out your great, great grace on each one of us. We love you. Jesus, I pray that we would fall in love with you. Holy Spirit, come heal our hearts. Minister to them and fill us up. I pray, God, that sin would be breaking off today. It'd just be breaking off all over the place. And God, we would replace it with acts of righteousness in you because it's for our best and yours in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at abbotloop.org and like us on Facebook. Services in Anchorage, Alaska are at 9 and 11 a.m. We hope to see you soon.